Well, January 2nd. That's right. Yay is good. Because it's a new year. It's a new opportunity. Right? We're going to be in 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 today once we get there. Uh, but it is a new year. And, uh, you know, we know one thing for certain. If we've, and we have survived the last couple of years, and that one thing for certain is we don't know what's coming. You know, there's a verse in Joshua chapter 3 that says, Consecrate yourselves, for you have not been this way before, basically, is what it, what it gets to. And it says the Israelites are getting ready to uh, cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And they had not been that way before, and we have not been this way before. And there are so many things that, um, over the course of the last couple of years, we had never seen before. Um, you know, and the questions that come up. I mean, first of all, we start this new year. I hope everybody starts the new year hopeful. I hope we're starting the new year looking forward to, you know, what can happen. But at the same time, I know oftentimes we have questions. You know, what's this pandemic going to do? You know, every so often, what do they do? They come up with a new variant, you know, and it just sweeps through again. What's the government going to do, you know? Uh, those are some of the biggest questions that we've ever faced, you know, with our government these days. What's going to happen with our employment? What are, what's our health going to do with us? Is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? What are our finances going to do? Are the people we love going to do well this year? I mean, there's all these questions. What kind of challenges, what kind of troubles are we going to face this year, and how will they come out? But yet, all those things are kind of negative, but we also look at things that are way more positive, and hopefully we're approaching this year with a positive attitude. How many people am I going to reach for Jesus this year? You know? I mean, let's, let's begin to think about those other things. While, while some of those other questions are on our mind, and while we can't help but wonder at some of those things and what's going to happen, yet we have those other things that we can focus on. How is my faith in Jesus going to grow this year? Another question that maybe we can be asking ourselves. Um, how will I come closer to God than ever before? And how can I seek to be more like Jesus this year? These are questions that we want to ask ourselves. And yet we recognize that oftentimes we have trials. Oftentimes we have troubles. We have tribulations. We have battles that we face. And in all the uncertainty that we face right now, and I can tell you there's a lot of uncertainty. It's not just the government. It's not just the pandemic, but it's, it's the world around us. It's all the uncertainties, you know, with the world around us. And whether or not this is the year Jesus is coming back. I mean, 2022 could be the year. I mean, I look at the world and I think, God, how much worse can it get? sometimes you know what I mean it's like Jesus you better come back or we're just gonna you know spontaneously combust and the world's gonna be gone you know with all the things that we're doing in this world and people do to each other but with all this uncertainty but there's one thing that we know without a shadow of a doubt there's one thing that we can believe with everything that is in us and that is no matter what comes this year whether it's trial and tribulation whether it's blessing and plenty, what we know is that no matter what, God is in control. Okay? 
God is in control. We have to get that into our hearts. We have to get that into our spirits. We have to get that even into our minds and let that begin to work out in our steps and in our hands. And, you know, I, I, I love the whole story of the Israelites crossing into the promised land and how they took the promised land and how they, you know, their acts of faith brought them victory. <coughs> and actually how there were times that they were not obedient and how things went against them at that time. We find that as we follow God, as we have our hearts set on him and as our mind is set on him, then victory comes along with that. Doesn't mean we don't have trials. Doesn't mean we won't have tribulations. Because we will. Thank you for that. Because we will. But in this new year, 2022, when I was writing this sermon, I had to actually type that last week. 1 to 2022 and I went, oh, 2022. It's here already. First time I had to type that uh, the new date. But here we are. And what we know that is God no matter what happens, hardship, famine, pandemic, blessing, God is in control. Amen. We're going to take a look at 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 because this is an example from Old Testament. This is example, an example where people were facing, the Israelites, as a matter of fact, were facing a pretty difficult situation. And they had options. They had options to, uh, to do. I mean, what's happening here, and let me give you a little background before I jump into 2012. And actually, this is before that. Um, I would start with verse 12. But prior to that, some background is this. King Jehoshaphat. Okay, is ruling. He is ruler in Israel, and he has three rulers that have massed an army to come against him. The promised land has been taken, all right? So Israel, Israel is now ruling in the promised land. They have taken the promised land. It belonged to them. God promised it to them. Uh, and I said earlier about how our faith needs to move out on our feet and in our hands. And one of the things that I love about that story of them taking the promised land is God gave them a promise. He said, everywhere your foot steps, I will give that land to you. And what that says to me, church, is that sometimes we have a responsibility to step out. We have a responsibility to move over the land that God has promised us, to move over the promises that God has given to us, whatever it is. We have, an we have a responsibility to, to move out, to step out, to take that step of faith oftentimes and to move into what it is that God has promised to give to us. We can't just sit back and say, okay, God, you promised it to me. I'm sitting here waiting on it. Often we want to do that. I say we, me, I. Often I want to do that. God, here I am. I'm waiting. You promised it, God. I'm waiting for it. And he's like, but I told you to step out. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to act in faith. I'm waiting for you to do the things that I've asked you to do and commanded you to do even. And the Israelites were told to step out. And every place they set their foot. Man, I'd have been wondering how far I could walk at that point in time because all of that land was given to them. I don't think I ever thought about it exact this, exactly this way before, but the inheritance that they got from God was only limited by their faith to step out. 
Imagine if they would have kept walking and kept walking and kept going and kept going. How much God could have blessed them and how much God could have anointed them with and, and, and just given to them as their inheritance. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12 says this. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now, this army that was attacking them was coming out of Edom. Now, Edom means red. Okay? The word Edom means red. And where it came from is Esau. When Jacob offered him that bowl of stew, the lentil stew, that bowl of red stew in, in, in trade for his inheritance, and he said, I'm famished, give me that red stew, you know, give me that stew. That's where he was, he was then called Edom. Esau was then called, referred to as Edom because that word red. And so from then on, he was Edom, and he actually uh, settled. He took his people, and he settled in Mount Seir. And so these are descendants of Esau, who was the twin brother to Jacob, who is a, their brothers, Israelites, they were all related. And when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, if you remember, they came to Edom and the armies of Edom gathered against them. And Israel just said, hey, can we just cross your land? We just want to cross your land. We won't eat your food. We won't trample your ground. We'll stay on the king's highway. We'll stay on the main road. If we drink any of your water, we'll pay you for it. And Edom said, no. And I think at that point, Israel was ready to take on Edom and crush him. But God said, no, you're not going to do that. They're your brothers. And so we are going to move you around this way. And they bypassed Edom. And now Edom and, and, and two other of the kings are coming against them. They've gathered together. They've, they've joined forces to come against the Israelite army. The Israelite, Israelite army has gone through taking the promised land with all the things that that entailed. But now they find themselves in a place where there's no way that they could defend themselves against this vast army. So my question to you this morning is this. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you have a battle that you're facing that you have no way of knowing how to win? Or you have no hope of winning because you look at the battle and you think, wow, that battle is so great. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Jehoshaphat is the king. He's the leader. He's the one that Israel looks to to keep them safe. He's the one that all of Israel is looking to to provide an answer for them. And he just knows right off the bat, God, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. He went directly to God. And I'll tell you what, church, we have to do the same thing. Maybe we've experienced something that totally knocked us for a loop. I mean, we put us in a place where we can't even gather our thoughts. 
We can't control our emotions. We can't control anything about what it is that we're facing, much less move forward into victory. And we find ourselves in a place where we don't have any answers. And even in this case, Jehoshaphat wasn't just, I don't have the answers. He knew that there was no answer except for God. Because he came to God and he says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? Because, God, we can't do it. And I think that's where we have to find ourselves. Because we know that left to our own power, we know that left to our own abilities, we're in big trouble. I mean, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place to where you knew that if you move forward in your own power and your own abilities and your own talents and your own even giftings that God has given you that you just didn't have enough to win the victory? <coughs> That's where Jehoshaphat found himself. And what happens in those times? Fear. Saying the song this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear. We do not have to be a slave to fear. We do not have to let fear take over us. And yet, if we decide that we're going to move out on our own power, I don't know what the other option is. I can tell you, if Jehoshaphat had said, okay, uh, we see this army coming, we're going to gather all the armies of Israel, whatever's left from overtaking the promised land, what we have now, and we're going we're to come and we're going to do our best. I can tell you there would have been a lot of fear. And I think in our own lives, we can, that can be a, an overriding emotion, an overriding situation, anxiety, depression, worry discouragement, diminished health. Have you ever been in a place where anxiety was so bad that your health began to deteriorate? You know, me, <laughs> I'm there. I've been there. You know, I'm not there now, but I've been there. I mean, the blood pressure goes up, you know, uh, everything starts to fall apart, you know, and I'm sometimes feel like I'm falling apart. But I can tell you, church, when we try to take control and fight our own battles those are the outcomes that's what happens and the sad thing is is that we don't have to we don't have to we don't have to do that god said i don't want you to do that god we can't do it on our own can you take care of this for us that's our question. That's my question to you. When you find yourself facing something really difficult, do you come to God and say, God, I can't take care of this. Can you take care of it for me? Or do we make a prideful attempt to take care of it ourselves and then suffer the consequences of our vain attempt to handle? Or maybe even worse, we just take that Suffering for Jesus attitude. Well, I'm facing this trial and I'm just suffering for Jesus. I'm not telling you that there won't be suffering in this world because there will be. I won't tell you that there won't be trials in this world because there will be. I won't tell you that there won't be tribulations in this world that we face because there will be. Jesus even said there will be. 
But I can tell you this, we don't have to face them alone. And suffering is not what God created us for. Now, this is not that, you know, health and prosperity gospel that I'm preaching you to you right now, but I'm telling you, God did not create us to suffer. He created us to have life and life abundantly. That's what Jesus said, I have come for. Enemy could try to steal it from you. He can try to kill you. He can try to destroy everything around you. But I have come that you might have life. That's why he created us. I used that verse last week. And that's why he created us, but not just for life, but abundant life. He did not create us to have a suffering for Jesus. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. I'm going to read through the rest of this passage part of it right here. And all the verses are not going to be up there. And I apologize for that, Justin, because I didn't give them to you ahead of time. But I'm going to find 12. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. They're listening to Jehoshaphat looking for leadership. Okay. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. So they're all there. Israel is all there listening to hear what's coming next. They all know what's coming against them. They're all facing the same trial. Often in our lives, we face a trial, and there are people around us that are facing the same trial. Even facing trials as a church together, as a family together, we may face the same trial, and that's what we find here. But often we're facing trials alone. But the answer is the same. And in this case, the Spirit of the Lord came upon this man while he stood in the assembly, and he said, verse 15, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. And listen to this word. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Church, hear that. Hear that verse. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. I'm saying to you right now, listen, Life Point Church. Listen, Bakersfield, California. Listen, people who know the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of whatever it is that's coming against you. Whatever battle it is that you're fighting in your life right now, whatever battle that the enemy is throwing at you, trying to steal and kill and destroy you and destroy your relationship with God, trying to destroy your family, <coughs> Excuse me. Trying to destroy your finances, trying to destroy your witness, trying to destroy whatever it is about you that God has called you to. And this is a new year, church. God has called us to great and mighty things. He wants us to accomplish great and mighty things for Him. But He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of whatever the battle is that's coming against you, because that battle is not yours. It's God's. And that's the word of the Lord that came to the Israelites right here. It is not yours, but God's. And here's what he told them to do. And sometimes God gives us marching orders, doesn't he? Sometimes he says, 
here's where I want you to go. Here's where I want you to do. And we need to put one foot in front of the other and step out and do those things that God gives us to do. Sometimes they make sense. Sometimes they don't make sense. Here's what God told him to do. Tomorrow, march down against them. Jehoshaphat has already said, we can't defend ourselves against this army. What are we going to do? And yet God says, tomorrow you march against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. <laughs> God's given them a little strategy. Here's where you're going to find them. I mean, and here's, here's the problem that I see even if we stop right there, okay? And it's this. Sometimes we hear part of what God says for us to do, and then we're like, oh, all right, I get it now, God. You want me to go to that place at the end of that gorge in the desert of Jeruel, and you want us to set up an ambush for these guys. And you want us to take care of them because the victory is going to be ours because you've told them where they're going to come up, and we can set this great ambush. That's not what God said. He said, the battle is not yours, but it's mine. God's saying to you, the battle is not yours, but it's mine. And I can't tell you how many times in my life and in my ministry, God said, here, I have a door and it's open for you. And I say, great. And I run through that door and I say, God, if you want me to go through that door, you must want me to run across the, the, the room that's on the other side of that door and open that door and run through it. And then there's a backyard and I got to hop the back fence, run across the field, open the gate, go through that field and do all those different things that I think I should do because God said, I just want you to walk through the door. <laughs> Anybody else ever done that in your life? When God said, I had something on the other side of the door for you, and it's way back there where the door was. I don't know what you're doing all the way over there across the field. That's not what I told you to do. And fortunately, these guys listened to the rest of the message because verse 17 says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. In 2022, church, I can't think of one thing that could be better to hear than for God to say to me, for God to say to you, for God to say to us, just take up position where I tell you to go. Just be where I tell you to be. Just do what I ask you to do. Face the situations in your life. Face the battles. Face the trials. Face the tribulations. Face the vast army that's arrayed against you. And do it the way God says to do it. And in the midst, we can not be afraid. We cannot be discouraged. But we can face them knowing that the Lord will be with you. That God will be with me. He will be with you. He will be with us as a family. That God will be with us. What an amazing, amazing thing. 
Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kahathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. Church, we must remember that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations, that we must remember to worship the Lord. We must remember to give thanks to God. They were given their marching orders. Often, church, we are given our marching orders, and we must react in the same way that they did. Because, as I said from the very beginning, there's one thing that we can be certain of this year. God is in control. And he is in control of our lives if we have given to them. He is in control of our steps if we will listen to him. He will deliver us if we will follow him. Because I hope you realize you have a choice in all those things. God is right there saying, I'm in charge. I'm in control. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Please step out in faith and do what I'm asking you to do. Jehoshaphat could have looked at God and said, God, are you crazy? You expect me to do what you're asking me to do because of this vast, I've already said it's a vast army. How can you even ask me to go out and do that? But God said, do it. But instead of letting our battles get the best of us and basically define, a, define us, church, here's, where, here's how we need to be defined, those who the Lord rescues. We, we need to be defined as those who the Lord delivers, those who follow the Lord's directions, and those who stand firm even in the face of trial and tribulation even in the face of a vast army. Believers were first called Christians in Antioch. You know what Christian means? Little Christ. And I'm not even sure if the believers took that name upon themselves because they wanted to be like Christ or if it was the people that were, were coming against them were saying, you're a little Christ mocking them and making fun of them. It could have been either one of those things. I mean, really, it could have been either one of those things, but they were first called Christians in Antioch. I want the world to look at us and say, little Christ, not because we're perfect, but because we're following the one who is. Not because we have it under control, but because we follow the one who does. And not even because we're in charge, but because we recognize he is. And we submit ourselves to him. We have to keep our eyes fastened securely on the Lord. If I go back to verse 12. He says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now, if we go to verse 21, I love this. I'm going to start with, go back to 20. It says, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood aloud and said, listen to me, Jerusalem or Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. The king is standing up and he's giving leadership. He's saying, have faith, church. Have faith, Jerusalem. Have faith, Judah. Have faith in the Lord your God because 
He has said what he will do. He has promised what he will do. And he has given us directions. But he wasn't above. I kind of look at it as hedging his bets. <laughs> okay? Because he told them, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Have faith, have faith, have faith. Then in verse 21, it says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It's like Jehoshaphat said, Okay, we're going to get up and we're going to march against this army, but we're going to put the worshipers out there in front. Now, I hope there were lots of worshipers, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. But he said, we're going to get out there and we're going to praise the Lord. And we're going to move forward in praise. And we're going to move forward in worship. We begin our services every week with praise and with worship. And I believe that is absolutely the appropriate way to begin a service. It is the appropriate way to move into a battle. It is an appropriate way to move into something that is coming against you that might could cause you fear, might could cause you anxiety, might could cause you some depression, might could cause you all kinds of that list of emotions that I showed. But instead of having those, you move out with worship. You move out with praise. You move out saying, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. Can I tell you, church, that is a fact that will never change. And we can give thanks to the Lord because His love will always endure. His love endures forever. Yes, it does. It will. It always will. No matter what we face in our lives, no matter what this year has for us, no matter what maybe we're facing right this moment, the fact is that we can give thanks to the Lord because His love endures forever. And even in the midst of those trials, even in the midst of those tribulations, we can give thanks to the Lord. And we can declare, God, no matter what happens, trial and tribulation, feast or famine, blessing or hardship, I'm going to praise the Lord. And I'm going to declare, even with a shout, that his love endures forever. Amen? Amen? I have no problem with that child making noise. <laughs> They're running out of here. But I'm like, I have no problem with that at all. That was perfect timing because I think that's a praise to the Lord. Amen? Amen? God is the one who has the last say, church. Those three leaders in Edom, they thought they had it simple. They thought they had it made. They had already come out and told Israel, no, you're not crossing our land. And Israel turned and went the other way. So they already figured they had them whipped. We, w we scared them once. We can be the big bully and we scared them and they turned like a little scaredy cat and went the other way. I'm sure that's what they were thinking. And so now... It's just not us. We're going to gather two other guys together and we're all going to come against them. So we got no problem at all defeating Israel right now. I think it kind of breaks my heart to realize that these are descendants of Esau who was a son of Isaac who is the son of Abraham. That close to the Lord. That close to people who served God, even in the family, and yet Esau goes this way, and he walks away from God. 
Church, don't forget to pray for your family this year. Don't forget to pray for the ones that you know and that you love that may or may not know the Lord because they need to know the Lord. And maybe that's the difference that we make this year. We pray for our family and they get saved. But God is the one who has the last say, not the armies. God is the one who has the last word. God is the one who's in control. And let me just take you to the outcome. If I go to verse 25, here's the outcome. Well, let me just read from 22. Might as well read through the story. As they began to sing and praise, as they began to worship and honor God, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Lord set ambushes. He didn't tell them where they were coming so they could set an ambush. The Lord set ambushes. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. You know, I've got kind of a warped sense of humor sometimes. Because there was nobody left alive. They destroyed one another. And I just want to know what the last two guys were doing. Like I said, my sense of humor is weird sometimes. You got the last two guys, and they're trying to, I mean, did they just both go, and kill each other? You know, at the same time? I mean, what happened with the last two guys? One guy wasn't the victor and walked away going, oh, I guess I win, you know? No, they were all dead. I just wonder how that happened exactly. One of those things that makes you go, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> They destroyed and annihilated one another. Verse 24, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped, even the last two guys. They didn't say, hey, let's stop this, okay? You go your way, I'll go my way, we'll start again. You know, nobody was left alive. Listen, when God does something, he does something completely and fully to everything that's necessary. God does not do anything halfway. All right? Not even a little bit. And we can have faith in that this coming year. We can have understanding, knowing that, God, you're in charge, you're in control, and you're completely in charge. And I know, God, and I have faith that says you will do everything that is necessary to complete your plan and your purpose and your desires. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it's called the Valley of Barakah to this day. It took them three days to collect all the plunder. Can I tell you, church, that when the enemy comes against you to steal, kill, and destroy, that what the enemy means for destruction, God uses for blessing. These Israelites, three days to gather all the articles of value, all the plunder from these armies 
that had come against them to destroy them. Not only were they not destroyed, but they got all of their stuff. So much that it took them three days. And what the devil means for destruction, God uses for blessing. And so what I tell you today, church, is this. Do not let today's circumstances dictate tomorrow's outcomes. Wherever you find yourself today, or tomorrow, or the next day, or the next day, do not let that day's circumstances define the outcomes. Because if the Israelites had done that, they would have found themselves facing a huge army. And if they would have tried to do it on their own, then they would have lost, and the outcome would have been way different than what it was. If today you find yourself facing a huge tribulation, church, run to the Lord. Listen to his voice. Follow his directions. See the hand of the Lord as he does battle for you. As he fights for you. In my own life, being a man and sometimes letting my pride get, out of the way, get, in, get in the way, I have said, oh God, this is just a small one. I can take care of this one. Now, I know you women never do that. <laughs> but we men, we're weak that way. We think we can handle it, right? I know we all do that. I'm just teasing you right now. But sometimes we, we, we say, God, you've been giving me strength. You've been giving me faith. You've brought me to this place. I'm, I'm, I'm close to you. I'm closer to you right now. So don't worry about this one, God. I'll take care of this one. I'll handle this one. I don't know how many of you have ever seen Dr. Phil, but he had a saying, and I just love it. How's that working for you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, seriously, how's that working for you? Why would you want to do that, but yet we do it? We do it. Oh, God, I'll take care of this one. I think God sometimes sits back and says, knock yourself out. <laughs> you go as far as you can go. And then when you've come to the end of your road, I'm still there. You know, I don't think God says, fine, you want to handle it, you know? Then I'm just going to step back away from you. I'm going to take my hand off of you, and I'm going to let you handle it on your own. Now, I think we can get on our own way. We can sometimes get in God's way. But I can tell you this. He is still with us. No matter what we're doing, no matter where we go, when Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Believe it or not, he is with us, even to the end of the age. It's absolutely the truth. When Jesus said it, it's true. I mean, that Jesus said it, I believe it, that's the end of it. Right? And when he said, I am with you, even to the end of the age, he is with us, even when we do something stupid like try to handle it on our own. These guys could have tried to handle it on their own, and chances are they would have suffered a lot before they stepped back and allowed God to step in. You know, here's the thing, I, and, and this is such a humbling thing to me, because when in my pride I try to take care of something on my own, and it falls to pieces, and God steps in, and he says, okay, now let me handle it for you, and let me fight the battle for you, then everything changes. And I just think, 
Without him, I have nothing. Without him, church, we have nothing, but with him we have everything. That's right. We face some uncertain days this coming year. We may have to face trials. We may have to face tribulations. But there's one thing that I want to encourage you to do. Keep your eyes on the Lord. That's what Jehoshaphat said. He said, God, we can't do it, but our eyes are on you. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Through whatever you face, he will take care of you. Why? Because you're his child and because he loves you. Can you think, I mean, we have our children, we care for them, we love them, right? We're imperfect. He is perfect. We're his child and he loves us and cares for us in ways that we can't even begin to fathom. So church, keep your eyes on him through every day, through the battles, through the trials, through the blessings, through the plenty, no matter what it is. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know who said those words? Jesus said those words. Where's Alex? The answer is always Jesus, right? Where'd he go? There he is. The answer is always Jesus. That's who said those words. That's who said those very words. And if you have your takeaway, there's just a few points there. And the first one is this. When you find yourself overwhelmed by life and the trials and hardship, hardships of life, seek God. Seek God and see what he has in store. Because God, I can, church, I can tell you this. Whatever God has in store is far superior to what we have. The way he fought that battle, far superior than the way the Israelites would have fought that battle. Number two, when you find yourself in the middle of a situation you don't know how to handle, don't forget to praise God for his leading, his protection, and his blessing in your life. Now, I'm a musician. I've been a worship leader. I love praise and worship. I love music. To me, everything we do should be praise and worship including the sermon, okay? It's not just that the praise and worship sets the stage for the sermon and for the word of God. Everything we do, including the word of God, should be praise and worship to God, everything. And church, we cannot forget to thank God. Sometimes it's hard in the middle of a trial to stop and praise God. But it's what we need to do if we want to see God's victory in our life. God will not force his will and plan upon us. Number three, if you remember from last week when I talked about God's plan and purpose for our life, God's not going to force that on us. I mean, the Israelites here were obedient to what God said to them. They were obedient to walk in the ways that he had instructed them to walk, but he didn't force them to do that. And he doesn't force us either. He's given us a free moral will. He's given us free will to make our own choices. So we need to choose him. And we need to walk in his ways. 
And when we're facing a battle, we need to come to him and know that he's not going to force his will on us. He's not going to force his plan on us. But what I can tell you this, church, is that his will and his plan is better than yours. It's better than mine. It's better than anybody could tell us. Okay, I know what God's saying, but listen, I got an alternative plan. <laughs> well, okay, I'm glad you have that plan, but I'm following the Lord. Right? We need to follow the Lord. Number four, do not let today's circumstances dictate tomorrow's outcomes. I just wanted to make sure you had that to take with you. Do not let today's circumstances, whatever you find yourself in, don't let that dictate tomorrow. Walk in faith. Walk in obedience. Walk in praise. Gracious God, I'm so thankful to you. I'm so, so grateful, God. that you call us to have our eyes on you. But God, the truth is that you have your eyes on us.